Welcome to the sermons of Steve Galloway, pastor of First Baptist Church, Macon, Mississippi. Let us join together and study God's Word and apply it to our hearts so that we may learn His truths and live faithful, obedient lives. May God bless our time together. Let me invite you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 4. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Allow me to read this passage. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, continue to give us wisdom, guidance, knowledge, and understanding of your word. Help us to apply it to our lives and understand, Lord, that, that you see our hearts. You know the inner motives of why we do what we do. Help us, Lord, to be honoring you in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The question is, why do we as Christians do what we do? Think about it for just a minute. Why do we actually do what we do as Christians? Do we do it so that other people will see it? Well, there is a reason why we do that. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they will, may see your good works and glorify the Father who is in heaven. So yes, God wants us to, to live out a Christ-like life so that others will see it and prayerfully that they will see Christ in us and through us and be attracted to Christ because of our lives. However, sometimes we do what we do as Christians to be seen by others in a different way so that we can get the praise, we can get the glory for what we do. And so what we're dealing with today is the motives behind what we do as Christians. If you go back to chapter 5, Jesus dealt with all the laws and he talked about what was the intermotive as to why we follow the laws. And he says, you know, here's the law of God, but at the same time, the heart of the law is the more important part. He said, it is just as important to not lust in your heart as it is to commit adultery. And the same thing uh, goes true with hatred. If you have hatred in your heart, it is the same thing as murder. And so we look and we see that God is more interested in the heart than he is in the actual doing. Now, we do have to make sure that we do things for the Lord, that we serve the Lord faithfully, but at the same time, is our heart right with God? Otherwise, we may be doing good things and people seeing good things, but we're doing it for all the wrong reasons. So the question or the examination we're going to be dealing with is why and how do we practice what we do as Christians? So over the next few weeks, we're actually going to look at three different topics of what's the motivating force behind what we do. Today, we're going to be dealing with giving to the poor, giving our alms, giving the things that we do uh, financially or even materially. And the next time, we'll, we'll come back and we'll deal with prayer. And then we'll come back and deal with one that not too many Baptist churches really deal with, fasting. 
We don't like to talk about fasting, do we? We, we enjoy eating as, as Baptists. You know, fasting just does not get brought up in a Baptist church too often. We're going to deal with it because it's in the Scripture. And so look at verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men. Beware. Now, typically when you see that word beware, it's on a big red sign to, to draw notice. And you'll see things like beware of high voltage or beware of the dog or beware of wet floors. And certain places in the nation you may even see beware of alligators or beware of bears and things of this nature. Why are these signs posted? Well, it's a warning that there is danger. There is an inherent danger that is there. Uh, there's danger and there is a warning that there could be harm that could be caused if you're not careful. Well, Jesus is using that same type of warning. Beware of how you practice your righteousness among men. There is a spiritual harm that can come if we do not practice our righteousness, which is the good things that we are supposed to be doing as children of God, but we have to do it in front of men. So what are we getting as a reward? And that is really what we're kind of focusing on. Beware of your righteousness before men. The fact is that just about everything that we do is seen by somebody. It's hard for us to do pretty much anything unless we do it in the confines of our own home that somebody does not see. And in our modern day society, the chances are you're going to be recorded on camera doing it. And so we have to be very careful as to how we live as children of God because others are going to be seeing it. But at the same time, God is not saying, or Jesus is not saying, don't do anything where others can see you. Because just as I shared, you know, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 says, let your light shine before men so that in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify God the Father who is in heaven. And so Jesus wants us to live a godly life. That's not what he's talking about. He wants us to give to the poor. He wants us to pray. He wants us to fast. He wants us to do all these things. But what is the motivation behind why we do these things? Look at what he says. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. That's the motivation that he's warning against, to be noticed by them. If we do this, then Jesus is saying, You're, you will not receive a heavenly reward for it. You will not receive anything of God from doing this. You're going to get what you want, which is the reward of man, the attention and the praise of man, but you're not going to get the reward that God would love for you to have from heaven. So as we live a Christ-like life with a heart that is right motive-wise, God wants to bless us. Sometimes those blessings are here on heaven, but the greatest blessing will be what we will receive in heaven when he says, well done, thy good and faithful servant, enter into thy rest. And he will bless us with different things. And our minds cannot comprehend the rewards of heaven. They're not going to be earthly rewards. They're going to be heavenly rewards. And so we cannot truly understand that, but suffice it to say, it's going to be a good thing. God will bless us in a way that we cannot even anticipate. So if our motives are for the praise of man, then basically he's saying there will be no rewards from God. 
you're going to get your reward one way or another. You're either going to get your reward from man or you're going to get your reward from God. Which do you prefer? Well, we're going to look and see the differences. Then we look at the first part of verse 2. So when you give to the poor. Notice the word when. doesn't say if you give to the poor. It says when you give to the poor. In other words, Jesus is assuming that everyone as a child of God, will have a desire in their heart to give to the poor. Now, in Jesus' day, the poor were pretty easy to identify. They were basically confined to sitting at the city gates as people entered in and left each day. They would be holding out their hands or something to catch alms, gifts, material gifts from those who came by. Who were these people? Basically, it came out with three main categories. Those who were lame, physically unable to work, the widows, and orphans. Those are the three main categories of those who were holding out their hands for alms. They were truly destitute. They had no other means of support. They, they could not work. Uh, a woman might be able to do some work, but unless she was married in that day and time, uh, chances are she was not going to be able to earn enough to take care of her needs or her family needs. And so the lame, those who are physically incapable of working, the widows who would not be able to support themselves, and the orphans who had no one to support them. And so there was a, an expectation of giving to the poor. And these were the ones who were giving to. In today's day and age, it's a little bit more difficult. According to the national standards, there is a poverty level, and they put a dollar amount. If you do not make more than this, then you are considered to be in poverty. But in our world, in our nation today, even those who are in our poverty level are filthy rich compared to the rest, to much of the rest of the world. I've been in some areas where if they had what the people who are, quote, in poverty in our nation had, they would be considered rich. And so we wonder, how do we give to the poor? How do we give to the poor? Well, it's more of when you truly see a need. Not someone who has blown their money on things that they should not have used. Because if we give to many people, what they end up doing is they use it for ill-gotten ways of, of in other words, you're supporting a bad habit. So you have to be very careful as to how we give. We don't just give just because somebody asks. You give because God, first of all, puts it on your heart that there is a true need. Uh, a couple of weeks ago on our Wednesday, uh, somebody shared that two different families lost things in, a, in their house fires. And so those are true needs. No matter what their income level, they lost everything. And our heart's desire should be to, to give either things that we have that are extra that they could use, get financially so they can help replace some of the things. Sure, they may or may not have insurance to cover some things, but when you lose everything, the immediate need is there. And so we look and we see that there are still needs in our society. And God will be the one that will put it on our hearts to try to meet that need. Sometimes we can do it individually. Sometimes we do it as a group, as a church, through the benevolence. Whatever it is, he's saying when you give to the poor. So there is an expectation that we will 
minister to the needs of others. Then he says, when you get to the poor, do not sound the trumpet before you like the hypocrites do. Now, sounding a trumpet, did that actually take place? Well, it probably did, or Jesus would not have stated this, but there's not much historical evidence of it taking place. The, the picture is that someone who is rich, someone who loved to have people flock around him or her, probably him, would actually have someone to go before them and blare a horn or a trumpet to announce that this rich person who wants to help you is now present, and now if you are in need, come before him and he will bless you with his gifts. In other words, do it all for yourself. I want the glory. I want the attention. I want people to see what I am doing. Now, it also says not only on the streets, but also in the synagogues. There is some historical evidence that the, the money boxes or the, the, the places where people would deposit their, their, their tithes actually had a metal funnel that would, where you could just drop your coins and it would make sure that it got into the box. Uh, have you ever gone to a, a store that had one of these things where you could roll your coin and it just keep circling round and round and round? Finally, it would drop into the bucket down below, kind of along those lines. Well, if you drop it high enough, it's going to make all sorts of sound and draw attention to those who are present. So why are we giving, number one, should be a pure desire, pure motive to minister to the needs around us. Now, how are we giving? Are we giving in such a way that it's drawing attention to us, or are we doing it in a way that truly is God-honoring? That's what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying, they're like the hypocrites. Hypocrites. We see that word a lot in the scriptures. What does it really mean? Well, we, we kind of know what it means. It basically means putting a false face on. And that's really the true meaning behind it. The, the Greek word is hypocritos, and it really describes a Greek actor who basically wears a mask to pretend to be someone he is not. So in the Greek tragedies and things like that, they would wear masks to depict the character that they were portraying. And so that's really what this is talking about, is that we pretend to be something that we're not. We're pretending to be righteous by giving of our tithes and offerings, by giving to the poor. We're pretending to be righteous but God knows the heart. He knows the motive behind it. He knows, his, he knows that that giving is just a hypocrisy because instead of wanting to minister in God's name, we're ministering in our name. We want the credit. We want the glory. We want the praise. We want the honor. And so that is what Jesus is warning against. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, there's no reward for you in heaven from your Father. When you do give to the poor, do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and the street, so that they will be honored by men. Here's what Jesus says. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. If they do this with a motive for getting the praise of man, that is all they're going to get. Their reward will be in full. When man pats them on the back and says, 
you have done such a great work. Thank you so much for what you are doing. And all the praise, all the honor and glory is coming into you. That is all the rewards you're going to get is earthly reward. Because God will not reward you in heaven. So you might as well get all you can here on earth because you're not getting anything in heaven. That's not what Jesus is saying, is it? He's saying there are two totally different rewards. One is the reward of man. It's short-lived. It's here today, gone tomorrow. And then there's the reward of God, eternal, everlasting. Which do you want? The reward of man, where they praise you today and may crucify you tomorrow? Or the reward of God, who will give you rewards for all of eternity? That's the difference. And so we see that the reward is in full. Now, how do we give? How do we give so we're not tempted to get the righteousness of ourselves, the wrong motives? Well, he's going to address that. We look and we see there are different ways of giving. You can do it as public as possible, or you can do it as secretly as possible. When I first came, and this has been the same wherever I've ministered, I've instructed whoever the secretary is, whoever the people that handle the finances, do not show me or tell me what anybody in this church gives. I don't want to know. I, number one, I don't want it to affect in any form or fashion how I minister or appear to minister to someone else. I don't want anybody to say, well, you're ministering to them in a different way because they make more money than I do. Absolutely no way do I want that to ever happen. Nor do I ever want publish what Susan and I give. That's between us and God. Now, let me just use the principle that we live by. I believe it's a godly principle. We give a tithe which is God's. It's not our tithe, it's God's. And we give off the gross. We give off of all that we have ever received. Now, anything above that is called a free will offering that we give to God. So, above the tithe is an offering to the Lord. And so, then, on, in addition to that, if God shows us a need in the community, our neighborhood, or whatever it may be, He presses on us to give, that's just given in addition to that. We don't subtract it and say, okay, well, we gave here, so we're going to take it there. Yeah, I don't care what the IRS does. Yes, we, our contributions are recorded. Yes, we do receive a, a sheet at the end of the year where we can record that at the end of the year for our taxes. If we did not get anything off of our taxes, I'd still give the exact same amount because it's God's. It's not mine in the first place. So as we give, we must give with the right motive. That this is not ours. We're just being blessed by God as stewards of what he has given us. So as we give, may we realize that our reward is not what we're doing here on earth. Our reward is in heaven. Uh, things were different back in Jesus' day than they are now. We use online banking, so our check to the church actually comes through the mail. So the only person or persons that ever see our check are the ones who make the deposit. Barnabas didn't have that option. Do y'all remember the story of Barnabas? Well, there's quite a few stories about Barnabas. There's one where he was impressed by God 
to give to the needs of the poor. And so he had a tract of land, he sold it, and he took the entire proceeds of selling that land, and he laid it at the apostles' feet and said, this I give to minister to the needs around us. Barnabas had to do it that way because that's the only way that he could entrust that the money actually got to those who would be entrusted to use it to minister to the poor. And so he laid it at the apostles' feet so that they could distribute it as they were led by God to minister to the needs. Well, as always, there's other people around that see it and hear about it. And obviously, there was probably some praise of man for what Barnabas did. Did you hear what Barnabas did? It's amazing. He gave every single cent of what he gained from selling that property so that the poor's needs could be met. Well, a couple of other people, uh, uh, a couple named Ananias and Sapphira, got wind of that. They said, man, that man is getting some praise. He's getting some serious praise. Maybe we can get some of that same type of praise. So they sold a tract of land, but instead of giving all that they gained from it, they kept back some, but then claimed that what they were giving was the total purchase price or sale price. And the apostle that was receiving it said, are you sure? Now, this was Ananias. Are you sure that this is all? He says, yeah. I want to get the praise. Broadcast it to everybody that we're giving everything. And he said, God knows this is not. And Ananias dropped dead right then. Then his wife came in right after they dragged Ananias out of the room and said the same lie. He dropped dead. Do you see the difference in motives? They both did something similar. If Ananias and Sapphira had said, okay, we're going to sell our land, we're going to keep 50%, we're going to get 50%, and we're going to let them know that we're keeping a portion of this for our own desires, our own needs, and we're giving the rest for the poor. Absolutely no problem if it was given with right motive. But they wanted the praise of man. Barnabas did not. His motive was pure, however, by others seeing him do that, inadvertently they gave him praise, and because they gave him praise, it tempted others to want that same type of praise. So, verse 3 says, But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Folks, can you do something with your left hand and the rest of your body not know what's going on? That's impossible. Basically what this means is, why are you doing what you're doing? Are you doing this for the right motive? In other words, yes, I'm doing something that I believe in my heart is something that is a blessing to others and that will honor and glorify God. However, as I do it, there is a chance that I'm going to be rewarded. Somebody's going to praise me for what I'm doing. Am I maybe doing it because there's a chance that I could get some praise out of this? So it's a weighing of why we're doing what we're doing. Are we doing it simply because it's impressed on us by God to do? We know it's the right thing to do. We believe that by doing it, we're bringing honor and glory to God. We're doing it as a ministry in His name. 
and we don't want any praise or honor or glory? Or is there maybe a little bit of a hidden motivation that, hmm, you know, if somebody pats me on the back, it'll be okay. I don't mind that. So the left hand and the right hand, all this is talking about is the purpose for what we're doing, the motive behind what we're doing. And so we look and we see best done in secrecy. Verse 4, So that your giving will be in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The best way to minister is for not anyone else to know about it. That's the best way. It can't always be done that way. The way Barnabas gave, it really could not be done totally in secret. He had to lay it at the apostles' feet. It was in, a, I guess, a public place. Maybe he could have arranged a time where he could have met with them in private. I don't know. His motive was pure. There is no evidence that his motive was not pure. But we have to understand that how we minister to others really needs to be done as low-key as possible. It doesn't matter that other people see us do it. What matters is that we're doing what is right in God's eyes for His glory. And by doing what we do, our desire is that the people will see that God is using us to bless them. I'm not blessing anybody. God's simply using me or us to bless someone as we give. We don't need the praise. We don't need the recognition. God does. We always need to be pointing others towards God. And if we're pointing here, we're not pointing there. And so, can we possibly do things in secret? Like I said, in our modern day, it's pretty hard to do. Someone's probably going to see us. We may even be recorded on camera doing it. But what's the heart doing? Are we living? Are we doing? Are we ministering in a way that brings honor to glory to God? Or is there an inner motive? You know, I kind of like hearing my name. I kind of like people talking about me and saying, what a good guy that guy is. Look what he's done for our community. Look what he's done for this person. Look what he's done for this. Well, I don't think Barnabas was wanting that. Unfortunately, it happened. And others mistook the praise that he was getting from man that he was not looking for and said, that's what I want. And so Ananias and Sapphira followed suit in a greedy, ungodly, unrighteous way. And God gave them what they deserved. Death. That's what sin deserves, you know. What are we getting out of our lives? It is hard not to be self-centered. It is hard not to think about self. Susan and I are getting close to that whatever that retirement age is. It's hard not to think about, well, do we have money set aside for the future? Well, with inflation rates the way they are, that's a big question right now. Do we have enough set aside for the future? Well, if we trust God, 
that he is in control and we've been good stewards of all that he's given us and we should not have to worry because God will take care of us. One way or another, our needs will be met. Those are steps of faith we have to take as children of God. To trust that God truly is in control. That he loves us and that when we are good stewards of what he's given us, then he will be faithful to meet our needs. Notice I didn't use the word wants, but he meets our needs. And he always has and he always will. But let's just be honest. I believe everybody in this room has been blessed far beyond their needs. How are we using the excess? How are we using what God has blessed us with beyond our needs? Are we using it in a way that honors God? Are we seeing the needs around us and ignoring them and walking away, saying, no, this is mine, this is mine, being self-centered? Or are we saying, God, this is an opportunity for me to minister in your name by giving? Don't need a name attached to it. This is just done in the name of Jesus for his sake, for his glory. And so just kind of applying this life, we are expected to give because Jesus says when you give, not if you give. And as we give, we just simply need to examine why. Why are we doing what we do? What is the true motivation behind what we do? Is there anything self-centered? If so, we need to reject it, confess it, let Lord cleanse us from it, and then do it with the right motive. A motive that brings honor, glory to God. That points others to Him instead of us. That's really the whole picture that we need to look at. So, may we do our best to do all that we can as secretly as we can so that it will not be a temptation towards others and so that we will not get the earthly praise and be tempted ourselves to do it again but for a, a different reason. If you ever wonder, am I doing this for the right reason? Just ask, who are people going to point to when they receive it? Who are they going to point to when they receive it? Or are they going to point to me and say, man, what a wonderful guy that is. Thank you for doing what you have done for me. Or are they going to point to God and say, that's a child of God. And what they did was a ministry from God. That's the big difference. Let's bow together. Dear Lord, we come to you right now just confessing that we are sinful creatures. Lord, it is so easy for us to become self-centered, to want not only what is in front of us, but Lord, we even want more. We want the praise of people. Lord, we love it. Let's be honest, we love it when people... Bring honor to us. When they mention our name in a positive way, Lord, we're fleshly, sinful creatures. But Lord, you have given us a different spirit. 
a spirit that wars against our flesh. Our flesh wars against it. That spirit is your Holy Spirit. Lord, as we surrender anew each day, your spirit has the power to overcome our flesh. You can overcome our self-centeredness. Lord, it is that power that we place our faith in today. Lord, so that as we minister, as we do what we do in the name of Christ, Lord, it will be done for his honor and not ours. May the Holy Spirit be the guiding force in all that we say, all that we do, all we think and desire, so that our motives are pure, our righteousness is pure. Lord, even now, we know that there's a promise of heavenly rewards. Lord, our minds cannot comprehend what they will be but Lord, they will be eternal rewards. Lord, if we're looking for earthly rewards, they'll be here today and gone tomorrow. Help us to focus on that which is most important. You. Your love for us, your love for mankind. May we do all that we do, all that we say, in a way that brings honor and glory to you and points others to you instead of us. Help us, Lord, to be found faithful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.